As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Vicki Brown. Vicki's passion for helping entrepreneurs is rooted, rooted in her entrepreneurial journey. After two decades of leadership roles in the corporate world, Vicky founded her own HR consulting business. Faced with countless questions and challenges, Vicky realized how valuable a step-by-step guide would be. From these experiences, she developed a vision to offer comprehensive, accessible HR guidance and educational resources. This vision led to the creation of the Leader's Journey Experience, an education program specifically designed to equip entrepreneurs and business professionals with the tools, guidance, and confidence to navigate the sometimes complex world of HR. And a fun fact about Vicki, she's also a number one best-selling author and a former opera singer. In this conversation, we're talking about how to best protect your business when it comes to having conversations and setting rules for your team members, for your employees. We talk about moonlighting. Should you allow your employees to moonlight? Should you not? And if you allow your employees to moonlight, how to best protect yourself so that way you keep your assets, your research, your internal knowledge protected. We also talk about really what at will means. You know, we always hear this thing that you know our state allows us to be an at will employer, but this doesn't make it a free for all when it comes to firing employees. So we'll cover go over some of the misconceptions of what at will employment means and how you can best use and approach this in your team, in your company, when employees just aren't working out. And also, we're going to talk about how to address problems and how to address problems in a way 
that doesn't feel like you're attacking the employee. So that way you can keep building that positive relationship with that team member. You can positively influence the change you want to see and keep those relationships strong. So that way they want to stay on your team and they want to change their behavior and they want to keep moving forward and getting the best outcome for themselves, you, and your company. So let's jump into the conversation with Vicki. Hi, Vicki. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm really thrilled to be here. Yes, I'm doing great today. Thanks for asking. Before we jump into today's conversation, can you take a minute and introduce yourself and your business? Absolutely. So my name is Vicki Brown, and the name of my company is Edomineo Enterprises. Difficult to spell, difficult to pronounce, but there is a story there. Um, and we are an HR consultancy. So basically, we're an HR department for small and mid-sized businesses that don't have human resources. And um, I'm quite happy to say that this is year 22, which is insane to me. <laughs> I can't believe it. It feels like 22 years and 22 minutes all at the same time. But um, I have a great team and we have a great set of clients that we've been working with and supporting. And um, so really thrilled to be here. Right now, what we're doing is really focusing on education. So pushing education out there for um, business owners, entrepreneurs, folks who are just starting to hire a team or bring their team together or grow their team. So this is a wonderful opportunity to uh, get to know a little bit more about you and also to speak with your audience. Yes. Yes. I'm so happy to have you because I feel like HR is one of those parts of business that there's so much that you don't know. And it's also so different from state to state, location to location that you think you know, but you don't know. So I say from your first employee on, it's, oh, you need you need an expert on your side. You need someone who's helping you see the gaps that you're not even aware are there. Absolutely. Once you take on the role as employer, it's amazing the amount of um, employment regulations that you just need to be aware of. You don't have to be an expert. You just need to know that you probably need the ear of an expert every once in a while. It's like accounting for me. I don't know beans about accounting. So whenever we start talking about numbers or we start talking about taxes, you know, I really want to speak with an accountant on certain things. I can certainly keep my books up on a monthly basis, but I need a good bookkeeper and a good accountant to kind of make sure I'm dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Because unfortunately, those are the areas where um, you can go along, grow your business and have a great time doing it. And all of a sudden you get the back door opens and something very frightening comes in, an audit or, you know, something that you just missed. Because so often with HR, when you do the thing that seems like it makes sense, seems like a reasonable thing to do, <laughs> um, it, there may be a couple of additional bells and whistles that you need to pay attention to. So that's what we're here for, to support business owners in every way that we can. Sounds good. So what a question that I have right now is what is something that you think business owners are very either surprised to learn about when you're working with them or maybe even something recently that there really was that aha moments with a client of yours that would be that our audience should know about? Sure. Um Interestingly, I would normally I'd say something like, uh, you know, what at will really means. And we can certainly talk about that um, later on, but um, things like that and how employees are classified. And 
But the thing most recently that came up, which was really surprising to me, and it happened to be on the employer side, which is great, um, is that, so I'm in California, and California has some fairly significant employment law guidelines, <laughs> as you may know. Um, but I had a client come to me because they have a really great former employee who's now working at a different company and wanted to do some additional work with them, but they were very concerned because, you know, should she be an independent contractor? How should we handle that? And I told them, actually, in California, there's no law against moonlighting. And they were stunned. Um, in fact, you can't restrict someone from having a second job. And I think that's something that's really beginning to, um, if it's not in every state already, which it isn't, but it's beginning to take hold, particularly because of the gig economy, particularly because of people working at home and having the opportunity to um, have a little bit more time in their work life and being able to uh, do, you know, take on additional responsibilities. So uh, you certainly want to protect yourself as, uh, as far as conflict of interest is concerned and as far as confidentiality is concerned. So you certainly want to have protections in place around that. But um, if you have someone that you love and they have another job and they have the capacity, you can certainly hire them. Now, from the employer side, that may not be great news. <laughs> you may want someone to work just for you and only for you. But um, the ability to really control what your employee does outside of work has been significantly curtailed for employers. So, um, so on one side, it's great news if you want to hire someone. On the other side, you may feel a little restrained if your employees want to do something else. But um, remember that when someone is really fulfilling themselves, particularly in work, that you're going to get better productivity out of them. You're going to get more ideas, more creativity. So, you know, support, I, I tell my clients, support that in every way that you can. Yes. Yes. I love that you brought that up. So I feel like that was a conversation I recently had with a client about that and kind of like exactly what you said is like, we can't stop what people are doing outside of the hours that we're paying them for. If they want a second job, that's great. As long as they're able to produce the work that you need produced, they're achieving the goals and they're available when you need them available. So if you're having them work one to four as a part-time job, Monday through Friday, that they should be available one to four. But yeah, I love that. I love that you brought that up because so many people are like, no, no, no. I want them only working for me. Like, what if I need them? And it's like, but if they're there when you need them, then who cares? Who cares if they're getting paid or if they're volunteering, or if they're going to a sporting event, or if they're, you know, doing whatever, it's, it, they're still doing the work that they're supposed to do for you. And I love that you brought up the things about protecting yourself. You can still have the confidentiality things in there and, and all those things that protect your business with what really needs to be protected, that they're not taking your, your trade secrets or your clients and bringing them to somebody else, that it really is two distinct jobs that they're bringing their talents to. Absolutely. And you know, your point around if they're producing and they're available when you need them, then that's the important part. So yes, it is important that they're available when you need them and they're available when your clients need them. But you have to have clarity around what your expectations are. So you have to, if you expect someone to, if someone's working off site um, and you expect response time within 30 minutes, say that. Make that part of the expectations of the job, but don't, you know, kind of get annoyed because someone doesn't get back to you within 15 minutes or 30 minutes when you've never told them that that was the expectation. Maybe they're time blocking and they're doing everything toward the end of the day. They're going to respond to all their emails at 
3 p.m. or something like that. So if you have different expectations, and this goes for any time, um, any situation in which you're managing someone, if you have expectations, you really need to be very clear about that because it's not fair to you and it's not fair to them if you don't tell them what you expect. Now, once you tell them what you expect and they don't meet those expectations, then it's on you to go to them and say, this is a challenge for me. You're very good at this. This is an area where you have some development challenges. And so let's talk about that. And I'm kind of veering into another, another topic around performance, but you know, it's all connected. So um, you really have to, again, communicate, be clear. And when you do that, then you don't have to micromanage. Then you don't right. have to get a keystroke application to see if they're on their computer while they're at home. You know, those kinds of things don't um, further your goal of having a connected, engaged employee working with you. Yes. Yes. Oh, Vicki, you're speaking my language there. Like I love so many <laughs> things that you just said, like it is fantastic. And and it is like one of those things, like I, as we're talking about these people possibly moonlighting and working multiple jobs, I think like some people might think about, because I know there's been headlines recently, or you see those like articles, where it's like this software developer was working three jobs and working two hours a week at each and making like close to 200,000 at each company. And you're like, I, I don't want that. I want someone who's actually working for me. And I think as we're going to talk about, we can shift into performance, like if someone's working a full-time job, they should be working more than two hours a week for you. And that should be measured in the performance output that's there. And it should be measured based on the expectations that you set on what they're able to produce for you. And not, as you said, not having to go and log things onto their computer that's sensing, ooh, is their mouse moving or are they typing? But based on the output and the performance that they're giving you. And I think as long as they're giving you what they need what you're hiring them for and they're meeting your expectations. Once again, it's like, who cares what they're doing the rest of the time of the, with their life? That's exactly right. And that goes back to, and I hate to say this because when I speak with, particularly when I'm speaking with my clients or I'm speaking with other uh, business owners, so many things come back to sit on your desk. I mean, the reality is if someone's not meeting expectations and they're a drag on your company, that's on you. It's your responsibility to step up and say, your, these are your expectations. You're not meeting the expectations. If someone has three or four jobs or two or three jobs in addition to yours, and they're working two hours at each one of them, and that's not showing up in, in the productivity that they're providing for you, then you need to take a close look at what you're expecting of that person that you're paying for a full-time position. What are your expectations? And do you have measurements? Do you have metrics? Things that aren't measured aren't managed. That's my favorite saying. Yes. So if you don't have metrics, then how can you know? You cannot lead people and manage people based on a feeling. And that's what I think so many of us, a trap so many of us fall into because many times, particularly early in our career, we're promoted into a management or a leadership role because we were really good at the job, at doing the job. But the leadership role and certainly the entrepreneur role is to engage people and um, really get them fired up about doing the work. That's a different muscle. That's a different skill set. And so you have to take a look inward and say, am I clear in my communication? Am I clear in my expectation? Am I creating a culture that people want to stay engaged? Because you also have to look at that. Why are people working three different jobs? 
Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so again, I hate to say, uh, I hate to say it because it feels like you're kind of, you know, beating up on the, on the business owner. And I'm not, I'm talking to myself as well. Like I said, we're 22 and I've gone through all of these things and probably will go through some of them in the future, but you really have to stop and take a look at yourself and say, do I have the right systems in place? Do they measure what the expectation output is that I have? And are they adequate measures? Am I following up? Am I staying engaged with this person? All of those things help keep your employee and I keep using the word engaged but it's kind of the secret sauce engaged with your organization yes yes exactly you know it Vicky it brings me back to a conversation I was having some business owners this weekend and we were talking about the youngest workforce that's entering our, you know, our <laughs> yes. the youngest generation that's entering the workforce and they're like oh my gosh they're always on their phones like how do we get them off their phones and and I was just like you can be the picky manager that then says, here are our cell phone policies and I'm going to punish you for being on your phone. And I was like, but at the end of the day, like the phone isn't really the problem. The phone's what you're seeing and what you're wanting to quote unquote, like attack them on that they're not doing right. Mm -hmm. But the problem isn't the phone. The problem is that the phone's getting in the way of their work output of what you hired them to do, what those expectations are. So I told them, and I want to get your opinion on this, is don't address the phone as the problem. Address the productivity productivity issue or the work output issue or the expectations issue as the problem. And then sometimes when you do that, the phone issue resolves itself because they realize, oh, I actually have to get more work done. I don't have time to pick up my phone because I'm busy doing my job. Exactly. I feel like we're sharing a brain. I'm absolutely with you. It's you're attacking the symptom as opposed to the underlying illness, if you will. The underlying illness is they either are not being provided with work that is challenging. They're not being appropriately managed. They're not being appropriately measured in their productivity and their output. So either that's the problem or the problem is maybe they're the wrong person in the wrong seat. I mean, maybe their skill set doesn't lend or or maybe they do have the skills, but they don't have the will. Maybe they don't have the will to do that job. You know, human resources is um, a lot of what we do is transactional. We do a lot of great consulting with our clients and we love that part. Um, but a lot of the work is take in this information, put it in those various systems, follow up, make sure the system happened, make sure the change happened, you know, get back to the employee and let them know that the change happened, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a lot of, uh, I'm going to call it routine work because that's why we have SOPs because we do the same thing the same way every single time to make sure we have quality control. But it is a lot of the same thing. If I have someone who doesn't feel connected to human resources, either as a future career or doesn't feel connected to the work that they're doing. They don't see that, yeah, I'm filing this benefits form, but that means that Jenny's new baby now has benefits and I'm so happy for them because, you know, now the they don't have to worry about the cost for this newborn and this is great and blah, blah, blah. There are people out there who can feel that engagement, that connectivity to the end user in our case, which would be the employees, um, our clients' employees. And so if you have someone who that's just, I mean, to put it in the vernacular, not their jam, that's just not what they're, they're into. Um, they may be a skilled person, 
but in the wrong seat. They may be a person that doesn't have those skills. And so for some reason, they feel disengaged because they kind of can't get it done. Then you have a couple of choices. You can train them. And we can talk about training in a minute because, again, that comes back to the employer. You can train them and make sure that they have opportunity to use those new skills that you're training them on. Or, again, maybe they will be really fantastic at a different job at a different company. Yes. And I think like, and I, I think this is great, like kind of segueing a little bit into training, but with that example that you just gave and walking through it, sometimes the wrong person in the wrong seat, it could also be that maybe they, they have the skill, they have the will, you're just not the right trainer for them to pull it out, out of them. If you think about, there's people out there that are amazing teachers, but there's still those certain students in the class that that teaching style doesn't align with that student. You put that student in a different teacher's class and they really excel. And it wasn't that the teacher, the first teacher ignored them or did anything negative. It was just that there wasn't that click. There wasn't that way to pull the thing out of that student that that student needed to really excel. And it can be that we also have different teaching styles. And I feel like many small business owners, we even say a lot of us like, we're not, we're not the best teachers. So it's like making sure that not only are they fitting into your organization, that they're fitting into what you can offer them and that you're not getting yourself in a situation that you can't excel in as the business owner either with bringing out what that person needs. Right, exactly. And as entrepreneurs, I don't know about you, but this is a disease that I suffer from and continue to suffer from. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a maverick. I can do it all myself. Um, and so once you start bringing on a team, you have to understand you're bringing on different skill sets and abilities. Use them. You're very, you're absolutely right. You may not be the right teacher or the the right mentor for that particular person. You may just not click the way you communicate and the way they, the way you say it and the way they hear it may not align. Yes, you should do some work on that. You need to meet them where they are. But also don't forget, you have other talent in your organization. Maybe there's another person that can communicate with them or train them in a way Maybe there's someone that's at the same level at that job and they've been through the training and maybe it actually would be better for them to learn from someone who's feet on the ground, who absolutely mm -hmm. do actually do it every single day. So don't negate the fact that you have a lot of opportunity inside your organization. It doesn't all have to sit with you. Yes, the vision needs to be you. The overall direction of we're going that away, that needs to be you. But the way you get there use all of the abilities and the talents that you have on that team. I've yes. done that. I've been very, very lucky. And I used to do all the training and that's fine. I actually have a teaching credential. So training's my thing. But sometimes there are people that they can just hear it better or understand it more clearly from someone else. And so I'm very lucky that I have great managers on my team that, and like I said, it could be a peer. It doesn't have to be a manager, but I've got great managers on my team. I've got, got great peers on my team. And so we have a lot of opportunity and training should be varied. It shouldn't always be top down. It needs mm -hmm. to be peer training as well. And in order to get someone really, and now I'm talking about onboarding, but in order to get them really engaged again in your organization and up and functioning to the fullest of their capability as quickly as possible, you really need to give them contact 
various departments, they need to meet people in other departments. They need to be meet people at their same level and learn from them. They need to meet people at the level just above them and learn from them. And yes, learn some things from you as well. So it's a multi-layered um, kind of uh, 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 multi-tiered approach. Yes, yes. You know, one of the things that I think is really important is a lot of people listen to this podcast, they're really small businesses. So they might be a business of one right now looking to bring mm-hmm. on that first employee or a business of two. So maybe for those that are listening, you might be sitting there and saying, but this person doesn't have a peer. I don't right. have anybody else. It's just me and my organization. And I kind of sometimes really want to challenge that and say, yeah, your business might be just you, but chances are you have a network out there. You have a network of people. Yeah, One of my clients right now is with one of the tools they use, their bookkeeper, who's a contractor, is doing some of the training for their team member in one of the systems because that person is the best person to teach how um, their their projects turn into like the invoices and they get paid and how they're using the systems because that bookkeeper uses that information and everything as well and touches into that system that they're using. You know, think about it in your network. You have to have someone learn the social media, like certain tools, certain things. And it's not really, it's not your jam. That's why you're having, you're delegating it to someone. You're not delegating to a marketing expert right now, but maybe it's an admin that's also going to touch, just help with that scheduling. You're not the expert in it. There's probably someone in your network that will either as, um, as a favor to you or at an hourly rate, help sit down with that team member and and train them like it doesn't have to necessarily be you and that a person that other person doesn't have to be another employee if you don't have a ploy- an employee right now who could do it for you that is a perfect perfect way to look at it we have to be creative and we have to look out over the horizon and see what's available. We're getting our marketing division up and on its feet. And, um, you know, marketing has not been my thing over the years. Um, And I'm learning more and more about it every single day. But we brought on a marketing coordinator. Let me tell you, he spends a lot of his time on YouTube because there's a lot of information around marketing on YouTube. So you really have to look at all of the opportunities for training that might be available. Yes, yes. So a question that I have about training Mm-hmm. Let's say a requirement of the job is that they know a certain software mm-hmm. or you know that they're going to use a certain software. It's not proprietary software, so it's something people could come in with the knowledge of or maybe they've never used it before and they're planning on learning it for the job. Does there come a point or how do you balance that employee going out and becoming good at it on their own, like they're taking that initiative versus them learning on the job and being paid to learn that software? Right. Um, It goes back to kind of the point where you're interviewing them or first thinking about um, them being a viable candidate for the organization. You know, there are some things you can train and there are other things you can't. (laughs) And so if I'm looking at someone that has enthusiasm, they have a great thought process and that's, you know, those are the kind of things you're looking for in the interview process. It's not just you know, where do you want to be in five years? A question, by the way, that I hate, but it's not just that. It is what, how do they think through a problem? How do they, they problem solve? Those are the kinds of abilities that you want inside your organization. Because quite frankly, when that's in place, when those things are in place, they have high communication skills. They have high interpersonal skills. They can problem solve. They can put themselves in the shoes of the client or the customer and really offer a high level of customer service. 
when those kinds of things are in place, I can train you on Microsoft Excel, <laughs> you know, and I will bring you in and I will pay to train you on Microsoft Excel because then we're just layering a physical tool on top of abilities you've already um, established throughout your career. And it's not that those other things can't be trained. I'm just saying, if you come with that package, then I'm going to train you on the nuts and bolts. If you have a huge ability with Microsoft Excel, but your communication skills are off or your um, response to challenges just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like you're resilient or that you can take accountability and responsibility. If I'm kind of sussing that out during the interview process, then it doesn't matter that you already have that skill set or that you're going to go out and get that skill set on your own because the other things aren't in place. But if you want to bring someone onto your team and there's a particular skill that they don't have, I say be prepared to train them on that skill because yes. it's a requirement for your company and you've determined that they bring all this other um, you know, all these other uh, gifts to the party, then you need to train them on the things that are missing. That is exactly what you would do if you brought them in and you worked on Asana. We use Asana for our project management. Someone doesn't know Asana, they know Trello. When they come in, I'm going to train them on Asana, you know? So um, you really have to take that on as an accountability. And if it's a planet killer, if they absolutely have to have Excel, otherwise they can't do anything, then you have to really determine whether or not you can, it's viable for you to wait until they get fully trained on Excel to do that. Or if you absolutely need somebody to walk in the door with a high level of Excel skills, because if that's the case, keep interviewing. You want someone that brings all those other things to the party and also has Excel. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that look at it. And I feel like there's a lot of times that we feel that people can go out and easily learn tools on their own. Like you can go take a tutorial. So why should I have to train you? But you're, you're so right. Like if I'm going to say you have everything I else else that I need, this is the one thing that you're lacking. I should, and I'm willing to bring you onto my team. I should be willing to train you like on the clock, train you in what you're lacking. Because if it was a different skill set, if I said, all right, you know what? I'm bringing you in right now. You don't have people management experience. You don't have those skills, but in six months to a year, I want there to be someone reporting to you. What am I going to do? I'm going to train that person or find resources or things like that to help that person gain those needed people management skills. And I understand that that's a gap. So it's like, sometimes we will help train on those soft skills. We'll help build them there. But mm -hmm. then like the tech thing, we're like, oh, no, no, go do it on your own. Go do it on your own. Right. So I love the way you say that is like, no, if I'm willing to bring someone in with a gap, no matter if it's a tech gap, a soft skill gap, whatever type of gap it is, I need to be responsible for helping them fill that gap and get to the place where I think that they can be because they demonstrated it other ways in the interview that they have the ability to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's a lot to being an employer. I mean, some of the things we've talked about so far, they all circle back to being the leader in the organization. And if you're a leader of one or a leader of 15, there are st you still are responsible for those people that are on your team. You're responsible for their career growth. You're responsible for them meeting your expectations. You're responsible for doing something if they don't meet your expectations. And don't forget, having someone on the team who's not fulfilling the expectations of the job isn't just about 
that particular job not getting done. That's having an effect on everybody else on the team because they know that this person is not cutting it. And yet there they sit. So uh, to say nothing of the fact that somebody is picking up the slack. So, you know, it does have a negative effect on the overall team. So you do have the accountability and responsibility to take care of a situation if someone isn't meeting the expectations. If they have almost everything, but not quite everything that you need, yes, you have the accountability for growing them, not only in soft skills, but in hard skills as well. So, you know, there's more to uh, more to it to be a really effective leader than um, than just paying someone's salary. Yes, yes, I love that. Yeah, and sometimes being that leader is having those tough conversations not just expecting that one day they'll start meeting expectations is letting them know that they're not meeting expectations and what needs to change and how they can change and, and setting that path forward. But also as leaders, sometimes we need to realize that maybe we made a mistake, maybe our business changed and this person's just not going to be able to make the changes that we need them to make. And we have to part ways. And as you talked about before, like, you know, one of the confusions people have at the very beginning, you said what an at-will employer really means. And <laughs> I feel like there's all these questions and confusion and what can I do and what should I do when it comes to letting somebody go? So let's talk about that real quick. Like we've gone through it. We've tried the training. We've use the experts in our quarter to help make sure that it's not us that's lacking in, in setting the expectations and giving training opportunities, but it, it really is time to let somebody go. First off, what does an at-will employer really mean? So at-will, um, and this is the definition almost everyone knows, and they tend to quote back to me even, I can let her go for any time for any reason. Well, yes and no. So at will means that yes, you have the flexibility to terminate someone's employment at any time for any reason without notice. The other side of at will is that I as an employee can leave your employment at any time for any reason or no reason without notice. So first of all, that part is important. So when you say things like you have to give us, you're required to give us four four weeks notice, You've just, in California anyway, you've just put yourself in a notice period because you have to give them notice now too. Mm -hmm. So at will is kind of a double-edged sword. The other thing about at will is it doesn't give you free reign to go ahead and terminate someone for a reason that might be considered illegal. Harassment, discrimination, um, retaliation, all of those things are illegal reasons for termination. Now, I know that Generally, an employer will say, certainly my client will say to me, I'm not retaliating. She's just not doing a very good job. Well, that is the reason that you hear from your labor counsel and your HR consultant all the time. Make sure you've had conversations and you document. Now, we want you to document those things to prove that this is an ongoing performance issue. And this is the culmination of that issue. It has nothing to do with the fact that they just went to a regulatory agency and said something or that um, they wanted asked for time off and you didn't give them time off. And now they're being terminated, that those two things aren't connected. You want to have paperwork to support you in that. But it's not just about the paperwork. It's actually about the human being, because when someone is terminated, it shouldn't be a surprise to them. We have to remember we're dealing with adults here. And so it is absolutely paramount. My number one thing around terminations is make sure everybody gets out with their dignity because 
If that doesn't happen, then you're going to have far more challenges than you would under normal circumstances. If everyone can get out feeling like they've retained their dignity, they have not been personally attacked, then the likelihood someone's going to come back at you for some sort of legal action goes way, way down. Now, of course, I am not saying no one will ever come back at you. You can treat them like a king and maybe they'll come back at you. Certainly it might happen. But not only for the protection of you and the organization, but also to be the leader that you really kind of want to be, you need to make sure that if there is an issue, you're talking about the issue. You're talking about the problem. You're attacking the problem, not the person. We just got finished saying someone may not be the right fit for this circumstance, might be a perfect fit for another company under someone else. So it's not about them as a human being. It's that they're not, what they're producing is not meeting the expectations of the job. Um, back to at will. The other thing that folks typically don't think about is there's this sneaky little thing called, I love this, this term, covenant of good faith exception. <laughs> and the covenant of good faith exception basically says that, yeah, you may have at will, you may be able to term for any reason, but you have entered into a covenant or an agreement with that individual that you're going to employ them for a specific um, pr uh, product or output. And when you disconnect that, then you are in danger of having violated the covenant of good faith exception. Now, how do you get around that? Again, the best way is so people aren't surprised. Documentation, documentation, documentation. You know, I'm an HR dweeb, of course I'm gonna say that. But um, documentation is a, is a great thing Again, for those two reasons I mentioned. One, yes, it does make sure help make sure that the person is not surprised. Now, we all protect ourselves. So if someone comes to us and says, you're doing a lousy job, I'm going to fire you. We're always surprised or we pretend like we're surprised because that's a self-protective mechanism. So I understand that. But if you've really done the work, if you've really had those conversations, have them early, have them often. I'm not saying ride the person, but I'm saying if Vicki comes in and she's a really great employee, she's great on the phone, she's great with her colleagues, but she's late every day. You may think, well, she's just late every day. That's okay for you for the first week. By week four, you're calling me saying, I wanna fire her today because she's always late. If you had the conversation with her early on, you're really great with customers, you're really great with your colleagues, there is an issue, you need to be on time. This is a problem. At first, it's just a minor problem. If it continues, then it becomes more of a problem. If it continues, it could ultimately impact her ability to work there. And so if you've gone through all of those steps, then you don't find yourself one day so frustrated that you just want to terminate her and she has no idea that it's coming. So it's important to lay that groundwork. It's important to have those conversations early. And the goal of those conversations is for the person to turn it around. It's not having those conversations so you can terminate them and not, you know, not get a letter from their attorney. It's actually to help develop them so that they become better because you always want to retain the person you've hired. It's very expensive to replace somebody. Oh, yes, so, it is. <laughs> right? So you want to retain the person you've hired. And just from a human standpoint, you want them to get better. You want them to understand where the deficit is and to get better. So that's really the goal of the warning process. So if you go through the proper warning process and you keep in mind make sure people retain their dignity, then, you know, you have less chance of, 
of getting dinged. Um, the at will thing, yes, it's there and it exists. It is not in every in every state, by the way, but it is there and it does exist. But that is not a get out of jail free card. You can't just fire someone because they wore pink on Tuesday. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the documentation part. I love that you also brought up that example of coming in late. And I feel like this is an example I talk about all the time because a lot of people will sit there, the business owner will be like, oh, my employee came in late. All right. What'd you do about it? Nothing. I, I just, I assume they'll come in on time tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow comes and they come in late again. And what do you do about it? Nothing. And I always tell people, if you don't correct the behavior, you teach that employee that that behavior is okay. So what did you do? You didn't tell them that it was an issue that they came in late. So they realized that there's flexibility in that start time. You taught them it was okay. So you can't get mad that they continue doing that behavior. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. And you're teaching your other, the other team members, the same thing. Yes. Yes, exactly. And also to really just stress the importance of documentation, Back years ago, when I was in corporate, I had an employee that throughout the year, I had multiple conversations with about a performance issue. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so big that she was going to lose her job over this, but it it was it was an issue. It was like this one thing that I was like, come on, we just got to change this. We had conversations <laughs> over and over again. I had conversations with my boss. I had conversations with my boss's boss because we were also trying to change the behavior from from the other side of the person that she was interacting with. The problem was conversations are not documentation. So even though I knew about it, my boss knew about it, my bosses knew, knew about it, uh, the employee knew about it because I talked to her many times, I had no paper trail. So when it came to the end of year review and I mentioned this on the review, the employee fought it with HR and I had to remove all mention of it from the review because there was no documentation. And that's when I learned the hard way of document everything. Even if it was a conversation that you had following up with an email that, that you sent to that employee as a recap of the conversation. So that way no one can deny that those conversations happened. That is perfect that you said that because you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be a warning form that you filled out and you signed and they signed it. I mean, yes, when you get into the formal warning process, those things are going to come into play. But when you have those, there's there are all these pre-conversations that happen. Memorialize them in an email back to the person. Again, simply recapping the discussion that we had. It's simple, it's low key, but it does create a paper trail. And I hate to use the word paper trail because I know people, it kind of triggers people in, okay, I'm getting ready to protect myself with this paper trail because I'm going to terminate this employee. It's not about that. It's about you want to be able to help that person see where the issue is and not get distracted by um, denying that they ever knew there was an issue or, or, or um, protecting themselves by saying, well, you never discussed this with me or I had no idea. You do away with all of that and you can deal directly with the issue because you have a paper trail. And so yeah. it's important. And also then when you get ready to do the review, by the way, at the end of a year, if you're doing annual reviews at the end of the year, I don't remember absolutely everything that went on with an employee throughout the year. So if you do have some documentation, it does help you. Otherwise, you can find yourself trapped in the I'm really reviewing this person based on the, my experience with them in the last two months. And that's right. not fair. 
Yeah. And it's also if there was that issue and they grew and improve and it's no longer an issue anymore. Sometimes that end of year review, it's it's recapping. It's recapping and showing that that growth that they did. And you're not putting it on there to be like to to punish them. It was like to really help them see that that growth and that change and how they became that more valuable team member. You know, after going through that situation, I started documenting all the conversations I was having, like the check-ins and stuff with my employees. And it also, I had this great paper trail of all the positive stuff too. And that year when I went to go write my employee reviews, I had the easiest time because I had all the great stuff and I had all the challenging stuff. And sometimes I could look at that and said, all right, well, that was a one-off conversation. Everything got fixed. We never talked about it again. So I'm not even going to put it here. And then other times it was just like, oh, yep, yep. This is when that issue started. This is when maybe it got into that messy middle. This is when it was fixed. Or this is when we went into those performance improvement plan conversations and all that stuff. And it just, it made things like, like you said, you're not, you're not reviewing people on what's happened in the last few days. What am I mad about them today about? What am I happy about today? It's like, oh, no, no, this is actually reflective of the entire period I'm supposed to be reviewing them on. Exactly, exactly. And you have to think about it like a client. If you had conversations with a client where a problem was being resolved, or you were working on a problem, you put a note in the file, because you want to make sure that you're clear on what happened, what was said, what action was taken. Same thing. Yes, exactly. All right, Vicki, I feel like we could keep going and going and going and talking all day about this, but we have to start wrapping up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, I have, um, you can get in touch with me. And also I have a little gift for um, for your listeners. So um, you can grab it at morehumanmoreresources.info slash podcast gift. So that's more human, more resources.info slash podcast gift. And what it is is a little overview of some documents and things like that that you need for the new hire package. And um, and you can also reach me there. So uh, I would love to hear from anyone if they have any questions or if they feel like they need anything. Sounds good. And of course, that link will be in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com. All right, Vicki, my last question that I love to ask all my guests, we have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us in our lives. Think of a leader or manager that stood out to you and share with us one thing about them. That is easy. It is um, the gentleman who actually forced me to start my company. And the thing that stood out was that he saw something in me that I did not see. And um, he said, I think you should start an HR company. And I said, thank you for the advice. Absolutely not. And we, um, he hired me as an independent contractor to take care of a couple of things for him for a new company that he was with. And he slowly but surely expanded those services until approximately four months later, I incorporated and there was a Domino and they were our first client. And um, so it, it was really him being able, again, to see something in me that I didn't see. I thought I was number two. I was a great number two and not necessarily the number one in an organization because my entire career, I sat on the shoulder of the number one and whispered in their ear. I was the confidant of the CEO. But um, he really showed me that uh, uh, through doing it, that I had what it took to lead an organization. So awesome. That is so great. And look at you, like all these years later, running this amazing business, helping out so many, so many businesses. 
especially and in California, where I know it's like one of those toughest things, like you guys have so much to worry about there. So, you know, kudos to you and kudos to him for for pushing you and encouraging you and doing it in a way where it was just like, all right, we're going to I'm going to show you little by little that that you got this. That is exactly what he did. And so I, you know, the lesson that I learned from that is keep an eye on the folks that are working with me because when I see a diamond, when I see something golden in someone, then I work hard to develop that because they probably aren't aware of it. Yes. And like you said, work hard to develop it. It's not, you got to do this, go do it. I'm going to push you off the cliff. It's little by little, I'm going to help you mm-hmm. get there and help you realize it yourself. So I love exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Vicki, thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring. Through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance, you will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed. At Growing Your Team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word. And let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single time.